Well, look, you can see from uh, what's up on the screen there, we're going to be speaking this morning about money. Money. That's giving, getting, and God. Money. Giving, getting, and God. And uh, I'd like to start by reading some scriptures. Uh, That would be really good. So Proverbs 3.19. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I like the sound of that. Uh, Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 2 Corinthians uh, 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Right, well, if you know me, you will know I don't find this the easiest subject to speak on. Uh, I have spoken about it before, and um, I I always have to kind of overcome a slight reluctance to speak on this subject. Uh, And that's basically because I come from the southeast of England, I think, really. Um, And also, I grew up in a house where money was just never spoken about. You've never, ever really discussed uh, discussed it. I'm not sure I ever knew what my dad earned. Uh, I, uh, we just didn't talk about uh, money. It was just an embarrassing thing somehow. And um, it still is a bit for me, if I'm really, really honest with you. And the idea of speaking about money in a church environment is even more weird, as far as I'm concerned. So um, I'm, I'm working right hard quite now to think, okay, no, actually, that's not right. You know that's not right, don't you? It's not right to have that attitude because the Word of God speaks about money, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Actually, it speaks about money a lot. In fact, the Word of God speaks about money more than it talks about hell. And hell is like, uh, hello? Yes, good, there we go. Um, and as we know, hell is, is a reasonably important subject. It's a place we don't want to go. Um, and, and here is the Bible talking more about money than hell. And uh, I think it also makes it very clear, the Word of God, makes it very clear that as Christians, we are encouraged to be generous. In fact, if you read the rest of 2 Corinthians 9, and you had to sum up what, what is the attitude that you and I as believers are expected to have, it's this, be generous. Be generous because Christ has given himself generously for you and me. He was rich and became poor and gave his whole life so that you and I could benefit. And uh, God is looking for that same heart, not only actually in our finances, but in everything. In our time, our effort, our care, our love. Be generous with it. Let it be poured out. The other thing uh, as well I think the New Testament touches on is this. You know, there are certain principles that the New Testament puts up. And really the question it seems to be asking is, hey, will you engage with those principles? Will you trust God with it or not? And we're going to look at some of those principles uh, as we go on. And uh, the other thing I just want to say here uh, as well by opening is, it seems to me when you look at the lives of great men and women of God, nearly all of them have had to do their battles with money, with finances. And uh, I'd just like to talk about a few of my own personal heroes. This guy, George Muller. Who's heard of George Muller? Yeah, George Muller. Fantastic man. 
And uh, he had a real heart for orphans. And uh, he believed, this is about 200 years ago, he believed that God would supply him with orphanages to care for orphans uh, uh, who are in the Bristol area. And there's this fantastic story, which uh, I'm sure many of you will know. And uh, one morning, uh, all the orphans come down for breakfast, and there's nothing in the pantry. And there's no money in the bank. So George Muller says to the kids, right kids, let's stand up and we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to supply our needs. So they all pray, God, please, we need your provision. We've got nothing. Please, will you give us some breakfast? And they keep praying. And then there's this knock on the door. And it's the milkman. And his cart has broken down. And it's his, his cart is full of milk and bread. And he's just said, look, it's broken down. By the time they fix this, all the milk's going to go off and I can't sell it. Can you use it? So all the orphans have bread and milk for breakfast. And then uh, here's another guy. I just love some of the stories surrounding uh, this man. Who knows about George Whitfield? Yeah, George Whitfield is probably the greatest evangelist this country has ever produced. If you haven't read the life of George Whitfield, can I encourage you? Get hold of a book about the life of George Whitfield and read it. It's magnificent, and it's a lovely story, just a great story. So what he would do is he would travel between various towns, and he would go by horseback. And uh, one day, he's on the road with a friend, and they're both on horse, and they're going along. And uh, George Whitfield had this reputation for being generous. In fact, he was criticized for being too generous, a bit mad with his generosity. And uh, they come across this lady, and she, she's a mum, and she's destitute, and she's got kids. And she, she says to him, I've got no money. So he gets off his horse, he opens his wallet, he takes out everything he's got, and gives it to her. It's about 10 guineas. Depends on the story. Some say 2 guineas, others 10 guineas. And he just says, here, have this. God bless you. And gets on his horse and starts going along again. And the guy next to him is furious. He says, what have you done that for, you twit? Yeah, now we haven't got any money. Well, he said, I've got a bit of money, but you haven't got any money. So, you know, you really, George, you've just got to be a bit irresponsible. You've just got to calm down a bit when it comes to giving. They go around the next bend, and a highway robber jumps out. <laughs> your money or your life. And he says, well, I haven't got any money. <laughs> but this other guy, he's fleeced completely, all his money. It's taken. So George, when they go around the next bend, George says, well, would you rather have given your money to the high women or to the woman? He said, well, yes, all right. I would have rather given it to the woman. <laughs> anyway, they, they go on around the next bend, and then suddenly the highway robber, they hear this guy charging after them, and he charges back, and he, and he points the gun again at them, and he says to George, uh, to George Whitfield, he says, you've got a better coat than me. So I'll let you might not have any money, but I'll have your coat. So George says, okay, far enough. He takes off his coat, he gives him the coat. And this uh, highway uh, robber has this manky, smelly old coat. And he chucks at him, you know, kind of there, you have that one. And he puts on his coat and he goes off. And they're going round the next bend. And George says, what's this, a funny feeling in this? And he looks in the lining of this coat. He opens up the lining of this coat and there stitched was a hundred guineas had been stitched. <laughs> into the lining of the coat. You see, God supplies the needs. Some of these, I love these stories. I love these stories. Who's heard of this man? Another hero of mine. Reese Howells. Heard of Reese Howells? You heard of Reese Howells? 
This is an amazing man. He's known as the intercessor, really, and he prayed just amazingly. He prayed during the... If you you like stories about the uh, Second World War, this is a great guy. He prayed, and he heard God speak to him about certain battles and how to pray and what to pray for. And he believed particularly God for money, and huge amounts of money came through his door, just huge amounts, to the point where he was able to buy uh, a, a, a big estate and he called it the Bible College of Wales. He was able to buy this whole thing. Huge amounts of money came uh, through faith. And also this guy, Smith Wigglesworth. Yeah. You've heard of Smith Wigglesworth, surely. Now, he, he really had more faith for healing. Um, uh, but actually, there were times when he needed money. And he felt God say, I'm going to take you on a tour of the world. And I'm going to get you to preach all over the world. And he said, well, Lord, I don't have the money. He would say that in a northern accent. Oh, Lord, I don't have money. <laughs> and, um, uh, and he just, just prayed, and within the next week, money just started to arrive, just literally put through his door, and he was able to go. So these, these men and women, too, just ha- learnt to trust God with their money. And there are some remarks, and there are other greater stories than this. I'm sure you've got your own. And I, I, so what am I trying to communicate today? I want to say this. Money is a really exciting and dynamic part of our faith. The provision of God comes. It's very exciting. Just this week, actually, Rach and I have had sudden money come in. And it's very, very exciting. And uh, so today what I'm going to try and do a little bit is I'm going to do a David Attenborough on you. So I'm going to try, you know what David Attenborough does? He tries to excite people, doesn't he, about the most extraordinary thing. Here we are in the depths of the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> and here is the little known waka bird with its distinctive blue bottom and hairy armpits. And isn't it marvelous? By the end of it, you're thinking, that's an amazing bird, isn't it? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? This bird, I've never seen it before. It's amazing. So I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to try and do a bit of that with money, and I'm going to tell you some stories about money. So that's really what I'm going to try and do. I'm just going to try and tell you some of my own stories. One or two of these stories, some of you may have heard before. I make no apology. Just enjoy it again. So so I guess for me, um, in terms of when I uh, became a a Christian in my early days, um, one of the first ways I saw God's provision, really, was when I started to pray for a car. First car I had access to was a 1957 Beetle. It didn't even have uh, indicators. It just had those semaphore indicators, you know, those old things. And it really was getting to a point where I thought, now I can see the road go along underneath when I drive. I really can see. Uh, this is not good, the gaps in it. So I started to pray, Lord, I need a new car. I haven't got the money. Can you please provide me with a new car? And I prayed like that on a few occasions. I really do need this. And then a guy in the church came up to me and said, I'm about to buy a new car, Adam. Would you like my old one? It doesn't have holes in the floor, does it? Yes, I would. I really, really like that. Thank you so much for that. And then uh, the years went by and I bought another car. And, and then, uh, you, know, you know when you have an old car, it gets to that point, don't you, where you think, it hasn't got long left, this car. You know that feeling? Oh, perhaps some of you don't, but I do. I do that. And I kept saying, Lord, I know instinctively this car has not got very long left. Please, will you give me a new car? Please, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to die on me. I can feel it. It's going to die. Please, will you provide? And I prayed like that on a number of occasions. And uh, 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 
Rachel and I were married by that time. And uh, on Saturdays, we used to like to have a meal together, a nice sort of Saturday meal. And often I would buy one of those Muller corner yogurts. You know those Muller? Oh, just they're absolutely magnificent, aren't they? And um, particularly the full fat ones, they're excellent. And um, so I, I, I think, yes, lovely, I'd like one of those, nice cherry one of those. And, and I sit down and I take the lid off and there's a piece of plastic in it which I was not amused about, to be honest. What's this piece of plastic in my... I get it out, lick it off, don't waste any, lick it off, <laughs> lick it off, and then it says, congratulations, you have won. Wow. I thought, won what? <laughs> so I look at the lid, instant win. I think, oh yeah, this is a proper thing. Phone up, congratulations, you won 10,000 pounds. So I was able to buy myself a new car. And that's, that's the kind of car I bought. And I thought, it's amazing, isn't it? God can supply a car in a yogurt. How has he done that? God's got these little pockets of money around that you know nothing about at all. He's got pockets where you wouldn't expect pockets to be. On the inside of linings, that's where he's got. And he can just say, yeah, okay, here you go. Have that. So that was wonderful. So I, did, I really realized at that point, hey, you really can supply, can't you? You can do this. Um, so that was very good. Second one. Second one. This was when I was actually working here. I remember having a conversation with Mark Hewitt um, just a year or two into the job. And he said, look, Mark, Adam, he said, you need to know the finances of the church are not going very well. We're going to have to take a cut. And uh, so I said, oh, right, okay. So I, en I ended up taking a 25% pay cut. But God was way ahead of this, way, way ahead of this. When uh, uh, Rachel and I um, started a family, we decided, and I know this is not everyone's choice, but for us, we just decided that we wanted Rachel to stay at home, and, uh, which we knew would be a bit of a stretch, but we decided to do it. And uh, just before Mark called me into his office, a month or two before, we just felt, I just think we need to get a job. Rach needs to get a job. But we didn't kind of know why. I think we had that conversation. And somebody then offered her a job. Just said, would you like to come and work in Borough Green? So we thought, oh, great, that would be very useful. Then Mark calls me in. We have this conversation. Do you know how much my reduction was and Rachel's salary was? Exactly the same. Exactly the same. God knew what was going to happen. So he said, I know that's going to happen, so I'm going to provide this way instead of that way for you. Just observe what I do. See how I care for you. Oh, Father, look at that. That was wonderful. Uh, yes, now, you're wondering, why is a man cleaning his teeth? <laughs> there, we've had a number of offerings over the years for this building and for things that we do as a church. And we've been able to do some great stuff. We've done the kitchen. We uh, redid this whole hall. We recarpeted it. We bought the chairs you're sitting on. We've done a, a, the stuff downstairs with the kids' room. Done lots, really. And we do that through having offerings. And we were having one of these offerings a few years ago. And uh, the way I tend to talk about God, uh, talk about money to God, is I tend to come up with a figure. And then in the mornings, I would just say, Lord, I, I'd like to give this amount. What do you reckon? What do you reckon? And I'd come up with a figure of 1,500 pounds, 
which unusually I'd had in my bank account. So I said, I could give £1,500. What do you think, Lord? What do you think? What do you think? And then the next morning, what do you think? I could do that. I could do that. What? And I was cleaning my teeth one morning when I felt very distinctly, no, don't give £1,500. That's too much. I want you to give 1200 And it's one of those kind of, you know, <laughs> what do you think, Lord? What and then I went, did I just hear that? Do you know, do you have moments like that? You think, did I? Did I just hear that? Did I just sense that? 12, do you want me to give 1200 And then I had, I had a bit of a battle with it. And I said, okay, all right, Lord, I'm comfortable with giving 1200 I'll give 1200 So the offering day then comes a little bit closer, a little bit closer. We're about a week away from the offering day. And then I get a letter from the Inland Revenue. Dear Mr. Northcroft, we have overcharged you. Please find a check for £1,223. I just thought, Lord, that is your having a little laugh, isn't it? I kept the 23, mind you. <laughs> I'm having that. That's in my pocket straight away. But I just thought, how funny. And that's the joy of money. I had my chat with him. I talked to him. I heard him. And then I said, okay, I'm happy to go with that. And then he said, let me bless you. I'll give you the money. Wow. Oh, Thank you, Father. It's our journey. You see, it's exciting. It's exciting. And you don't have to be some great missionary to do that. You do that in your bathroom, hearing God. Then uh, another one, the last one I just want to tell you about is um, is to do with our car, our red car. Uh, Now, uh, when my mum died, she left us a little bit of money, and we were able to buy this this little car, it's this model and that color, not that exact car. And uh, the reason I wanted to buy it was because I had two sons who needed to learn to drive, and uh, this is a one-liter car, and I could just about afford to get two boys onto the insurance. So I said, okay, uh, let's buy this. But uh, when you search around the insurance, what they say is for the younger son, for the 18-year-olds, the excess will be 750 pounds if you have an accident. I thought, okay, okay, it's quite a lot. But, I, you know, this is the way through. I'll do it. Now, I, I have uh, sought George's permission for this story, okay? <laughs> so George, my youngest, was uh, picking up some friends, and he wasn't being irresponsible at all, but he picked these friends up. It's a very, very foggy day, and he just missed, missed uh, a turning. It was a very sharp turning, and he wasn't expecting it in the fog to be like that. And he went over this uh, earth bank and hit the front of the car into the bank. 2,400 pounds worth of damage. Oh, he he wasn't good for a few days. Bless him. He came in. He felt very ashamed. And he was very low with it all. He said, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. And and, uh, I found myself saying, George, I don't know how, but God always makes a way. We ha- I had got 75 pounds in my car account, my maintenance account. And we needed 750. And I said, George, I don't know how he does it, but he does. He just provides. That is my history. I have known God provide, and he will. And then he went away, and I said, yeah, you will, won't you, Lord? I- <laughs> <laughs> not, quite, not quite so confident. So we're praying, and the car goes off to the menders, and they, they begin to do the work. And then I remember I haven't done my tax return. So I do it, start to do it online. 
the amount that I am owed, we have overcharged you, 680 pounds. Which together with the 75 meant I had the 750. The best bit of all for me was to be able to say to my son, you see, he always makes a way. He always makes a way because he is faithful. He is faithful. So um, that's just some of my stories, which I hope will encourage you. Now, I, personally, I've always given. I've always given 10% of my gross income. I was challenged early on in my life by a guy called Ben Davis, and a, picture of a, a combination of Ben Davis, who was quite a gritty Welshman, and Norman Blows, who was just gritty. And uh, these, these two guys, and they challenged me about my... So right from, really from the beginning of my... Um, Christian walk I've always given, and I just felt it right to give 10% and 10% of my gross income. And God has challenged me over the years. I also give offerings as well each month. It's just what I feel personally challenged to do. It's going to be a different uh, challenge for you. That's what I feel to do. So I have always given. And sometimes when I haven't uh, had issues with, I remind God about what I've given. I said, you know, if I hadn't given that, I could have afforded this. Like he didn't know, you know. I mean, hey, come on. Where's the, where's the provision? Where's the provision? That's more to do with my lack of faith, probably. So I hope, I hope those encourage you. I know some of you will have your own stories. Uh, and I just want to encourage you to be excited because it's a great way you and I can encounter God and see him in our everyday life. Uh, as I say, without being, you know, missionaries in another country. Now, uh, I said earlier that there are certain precepts and, uh, sorry, principles uh, connected with giving that I think God really wants us to honor. And I have to say, having studied again some of the scriptures, I think that God feels very strongly about money. I think he, I think he feels very strongly about this uh, subject. And that's something we see in the book of Malachi. And... Uh, uh, then, uh, because what's happened at this time, the nation of Israel has largely stopped giving to God financially in the way that was expected of them under the old covenant. Now, under the old covenant, we're under a new covenant. Under the old covenant, you had to give 10%. You had to tithe. And you had to give a number of offerings. Had to. Uh, there was something like uh, called the first fruits offering. So the first lamb you produced had to be offered to the Lord. The first sheaf that you brought in had to be offered uh, to the Lord. And you gave 10% and, and you gave in other places as well. And they'd stopped giving. And God speaks to them very strongly through the prophet. And he says, basically, guys, you're robbing me. You're robbing me. Really strong stuff. You're robbing me. And then he says something even more extraordinary. Let me just read it to you. He says this. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and the vine of your, in the, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. The thing that's most remarkable in that statement is where God says, come and test me. Come and test me. Now, bear in mind what has the Bible been telling us. You shall not test the Lord your God. You do not test him. 
You do not do that. That's why a part of the reason why those early Israelites did not come into the promised land because they tested the Lord. They said, come on then, prove yourself. Out of a, a sense of doubt. God says it's a total no-no. You don't do it. Yet with money you can. Yeah, okay. I've got one wow. I suppose that's good. I, I just thought, no, this is remarkable. This is something God says don't do except for money and it's okay there. Why would he do that? Why would God say that? Why would he make this big exception for money? Why would he do that? Well, I think the New Testament gives us the answer. Money is a very powerful thing. It's a very, very powerful thing. And it wants to play the role of God in your life. In fact, it's so strong, the New Testament gives it the name of a God. It calls it mammon. That's the name of an idol. And it's saying, yeah, money wants to play the role of God in your life. It wants to say this to you. It wants to say, money wants to say to you, I am your provider. Look to me, and I'll provide for you. Uh, Look to me, money, and I will be your protector. Because you'll be able to, if you live in a dangerous part of the world, you can employ people to watch over you. I am your healer, it wants to say. Because if you've got me, you can get the best medical care in the country. You can buy it in. It wants to say, look at me. If you've got lots of me, lots of money... You will be at peace. And you can say, you know, life's okay. We're all right. We've got money. We're going to be okay. Do you see the role it wants to play? The role it wants to play. It's a very powerful thing. And Jesus said this. No one can serve two masters. Do you see? Money wants to master you. Master. In the same way that God is a master that we serve, money is a master. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. There's nothing wrong with having money. It's about serving it. So, when God says, test me in this, I'm going to make this exception... It seems to me he's making the bar for us extremely low so that we can just go like this. Oh, that's easy. So that he wants to convince us that he is our provider, not money. He really wants to go the extra length. He is our provider, not money. Although he uses money. God is inviting us, church, to see what he can do in this area. We looked at these scriptures earlier. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then what's going to happen? Let's read it together. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Yeah. God feels strongly about this subject. He wants you to win, like those heroes of old who saw God remarkably provide for them. Now, look, also, I want to say there are challenges surrounding money. My experience is God does not give me everything I want. And sometimes it's a real fight. Do you find that? 
pray about something, it just doesn't come. Doesn't, why are you not? And other times, like this week, we have a computer up the blink, we're praying about it, we received a check for 100 pounds. As you just told me, it cost about 100 quid to fix. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Why was that so easy when other times it isn't? So sometimes there are real decisions to make, but God is wanting uh, to break into you. And We okay? Okay, I've just got a few short things now I just want to talk to you about. Just a few bullet points, really. Just other things surrounding money that I think we should be aware of. This is the, I believe, the attitude of the New Testament. First one, give for the right reasons. You need to give for the right reasons. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 1, Jesus says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. So in other words, uh, and he also says this, uh, 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 When you give financially, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So if you are giving to God with a view to being observed by people and getting a reaction out of them, them, you will not get a heavenly reward. Does that make sense? Because God is saying, I want you to do this for me. So the the more secret you can do it, kind of, the better, because then it's just between you and God, and then that's where he will bless. So give for the right reasons. Second, plan to give. Plan to give. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is taking an offering, isn't he? Do you remember this? He's taking an offering, and he's asking all the churches to do that. And he says, on the first day of each week, each of you is to put aside and to save. Uh, If when we take an offering, you haven't planned for it, I notice this is what tends to what happened. Oh, oh, it's the offering today. It's the offering today. Oh, it's coming around. Oh, great. Oh, what have I got? Uh, Yeah, have this. Uh, I have a bit more. Uh, No, give that as well. Is it just me who does that? (laughs) If you've planned to give, what it means is you've done your dialogue with God. You said, Lord, what about this amount? I earned this amount. What about this amount? Is that right? And then you talk to him. You don't look convinced at all about that. Okay. Plan to give. Let me just tell you, it's a good thing to do. If you don't plan, you won't end up not giving, or you run out. That's what you run out, you know. Give in accordance with your means. That's another principle I think we see in 2 Corinthians 8 and uh, 1 Corinthians 16. Um, uh, Paul says this, for if, this is a slightly old-fashioned translation, sorry about that, for if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So in other words, if you earn 500 pounds, don't think I'm going to give 1,000, generally, unless God has specifically spoken to you. Say, okay, I'm comfortable to give 50. What do you think about that, Lord? And let him speak to you. But give in accordance with your means. One of the things I'm slightly cautious of with offerings is I think there's a good deal of guilt that goes around. People feel guilty. Oh, I better, I better put something in. Oh, I'll give. Guilt is not a good reason to give. It's not a good motivator. Whereas if you've spent time with God and asked him about it, 
and you, you know what your income is, and you're saying, Lord, I think this is a reasonable amount of money to give, you're going to do better. So don't give out of guilt. Four. This is another really important scriptural principle. Giving must be willing, not grudging. Not given reluctantly. I say to everyone who joins the church in the Exploring Membership course, to be a member of this church, you don't have to give a bean. And you can still be a member. You need to know I will be talking to you about giving. (laughs) I will be knocking on your door. But actually, you don't have to give. Because what I don't want is people to say, oh, well, I'm a member of this church, which means I have to give 10%. I have to do this. I have to. That's grudging. That's reluctantly. I want you to give because you have spoken to God, you have studied the scriptures, and you've come to a personal conviction about what is right for you. Hello? Yes? yes sir. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for, for you to be saying, God said this, and I'm happy to give on that, on that basis. I tell you, that 1,200 quid I gave into the, I couldn't have been more happy to have put that in. You know what I mean? It was just, oh, God, you've supplied. It was great. <clears throat> Last one. Learn to delight in giving. Yeah. Learn to delight. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, learn the delight of giving. And of course, if you believe God and you're looking for his, his blessing, it won't just be, well, it's just me giving out all the time then. I'm doing my duty. I give because. No, you're looking for that wonderful sense of God in it. Let it be exciting. Let it be an adventure of faith for you. Let there be a sense of, oh, God's in this. Amen. Let's pray together. So, Father, I want to thank you that you are our, uh, our provider and you are our supplier. I thank you that you love us with a passion. Father, I thank you that everything that we have is from you. And we just recognize that again. Everything that we have. And, Father, we recognize we have a lot. And, Lord, we thank you that you gave us all of yourself. So, Lord, I'm asking, Father, would you help us uh, uh, Lord, would you help us to be generous people? Lord, I ask for a real generous heart, Lord, to be deep in us. And I pray, Father, for the excitement of the adventure of faith. I want to ask you, Father, yeah, just have a, just uh, as I'm praying, I just have a sense that there there are one or two people here who've just struggled with giving over the years. You know that's a real area of contention for you. You know that uh, somehow you are cautious about giving. And uh, you're cautious because there's been hardship in your background. That's what I'm seeing. sense of uh, hardship and difficulty. And it's made you fearful about giving because you're frightened about not having enough for the future. Just feel the Lord wants to bless you right now. Father, I just pray for whoever that is, I want to ask you for a real sense of liberty and freedom to come. Lord, I want to ask you that there would be a real sense that uh, they will know that you are an eternal father whose pockets never run out of money. Yeah, yeah. if you'd like to be prayed for um, by the ministry team afterwards, I just encourage you to do that. So, Father, I just want to commit the rest of the day to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to leave it there. Please come forward if you're sick and you... Oh, do you want to...